you wonder what happened in sports today, Brandon Petrilli, he got the wave. We talking a lot with bros today. Cracking some jokes, the podcast way. Goals on goals. Where homers on homers. Tutties on tutties. Got moments on moments. Just tune into BSP. Just tune into BSP. Just tune into BSP. Just tune into Petrilli. And welcome, everybody, to another episode of the BSP Podcast. I am your host, Brendan Petrilli. It's been a while. It's been a while since I've last done a podcast episode. You know, I've been busy. College senior, just finally graduated Susquehanna University. Shout out the Riverhawks. Uh, It was an absolutely great time. I was real busy uh, with WQSU at school being the head of the radio station, I tried to put out all the podcasts and stuff we were doing over with them onto this podcast too. So I hope everybody was able to enjoy those episodes also. But, you know, now that we're graduated, finally getting into the groove, just like the world has slowly come back to normal, I'm back and I'm here to stay. And Philly sports is back and better than ever right now, as I have my day one homie, you know, as big as a Philadelphia fan that I am, grew up together it is my great cousin cousin holden holden how are we doing brother you know things are absolutely bouncing off the walls yeah man we're doing great you know we're pulling for the sixes and five talking all of our smack watching ben do his thing lock up trey i mean dude the atmosphere now in the city of philadelphia you're living down in north carolina for a while now but i I bet you you get that sense of just seeing you know the phillies this oh, weekend, thirty-five thousand plus, absolutely insane. You know That's the atmosphere, serious? yeah. Oh shit, crazy! The Sixers having packed houses for their games at home. I mean, yeah. things are finally getting back to the way it used to be. Our and fans Philly- were even uh, filling the DC stadiums. Yeah, get- DC stadiums. Even yeah. down in Atlanta too, you could hear. But, yeah, so, I mean, everything's getting back to normal, having a lot of fun with it. And Philly sports is finally getting rocking and rolling. Phillies, we'll talk about maybe in a later episode, but, you know, sweeping the Yankees this past weekend. But for today, we're going to talk and take a deep dive into your Philadelphia 76ers. You know, Holden and I are in a group chat with, like, uh, us, our cousins and our uncles. We're always chopping it up. Everybody's got something to say everybody's in that group chat you know everybody wants to comment on every little thing in a basketball game so i figured i'd have holden on here and we can talk it out together right here on zoom for everybody here to listen and you know maybe you think we're idiots maybe you agree with us so let's get it rocking and rolling here sixers take a commanding two to one lead against the atlanta hawks uh we're gonna preview tonight's game as we are recording this on sunday evening at 10:02. but this is gonna be coming out on monday the 14th so i mean sixers coming in tonight up 2-1 in the series absolutely dominating the past two games even yep. the last you know third and fourth quarter in game even, one yeah, even the first game that after that 17-0 run we pretty much had control of it the whole time yeah so i want to get your gut reaction here to hold and going into this game four how are you feeling what are some of the things that you think have changed or you think the sixers still might need the change coming in to this game four as they're up two to one. I think regardless of any opponent, you need to make changes from game into game out, you know, from game to game. Uh, I think Doc Rivers has done a good job of that. It took him a little while after the first series to stop running 
uh, the predominantly all bench lineups that were really hurting us that caused that 17-0 run in game one. But um, I'm really excited because it looks like the Sixers got their momentum and they're really just asserting themselves as the better team that they are over the Hawks. And now that we got that Danny Green on Trey Young nonsense over, um, when we have Ben Simmons on Trey Young, their offense is just kind of muffled and they got to rely on their other guys to make shots. And when they do that, I like our chances every time. Yeah. I mean, Atlanta, don't get me wrong. They have some awesome shooters with Bogdan, Bogdan, they're, they're, a good they're a really exciting team and they've made a great run this season, you know, for what they had, for what they were expected to do. Trey Young, he's annoying, but he's a great player, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That guy's kind of slowly making his way into superstardom. I mean, he's going to need another year, maybe get him a little bit more help with those shooters, get him maybe yeah. Damian Lillard. More ball handlers too. You know, he's got shooters. Get him a yeah. ball handler like Dame. That'd be crazy. That would be that would be nuts for that team to get a guy like that. But you know, it's still a series here. You don't want to look past them. No, you can't because we're just one game away from two and two, which you yeah. don't want. And I think the biggest X factor, as you can definitely tell, is Joel Hans and Beat. Mm-hmm. I mean, Clint Capella, solid player. He's more of a running gun, you know, a basket to basket guy. He's not a post player. He yeah, can't guard a- Joel Embiid. He's a solid Peyton presence he even had. I think he had some talk for a depoy here and there throughout the season, nothing major. But even a guy like him, you just can't – he may be big and he may be tall. He can get rebounds. But when it comes to guarding Joel in the post, he just can't do it. You know, he'll get 13, 14 boards a game against Joel maybe. But he's not quick enough. He's not skilled enough. And I think Joel's made that shown. Uh, yeah. Even last game, they even stopped him from getting 30. They had to throw triple teams at him, which I'm sure you saw. Yeah. And he just had I, to pick up eight assists. So. When you have to throw three guys – Onto one man. As soon as he got the ball. Yeah. 20 seconds in the shot clock. Yeah, absolutely insane. I mean, the guy is just an absolute all-world talent. Now, the biggest question for him is always his health. You know, I mean, my buddies and I were playing a drinking game. Every You drink every time Joel hits the ground. I you know, mean, he's got that AD and LeBron factor. Like, you know, they both – AD specifically does it a little worse. I mean, he's always going to the locker room every game, I feel like. But, you know, Embiid falls a lot, and it's scary. You know, there's a lot of people that – Think there's like two sides of the spectrum. A lot of people think that he flops and then he looks fine. You know, you see plays like that alley oop from Ben Simmons right after he fell, where he looks athletic as hell and is doing his thing. And then there's other people that think he's playing through this massive pain and he's putting his health and safety on the line. And so it's kind of hard to balance how hard he is going, yeah. considering he didn't see any minutes reduction since the injury. Yeah, like it's been absolutely crazy because you he'll come up in the game. Everybody was panicking when he got that one rebound, turns and go up the court, and he Started grabs his knee. Yep, and that you're was, like, that was, that was scary. Everybody was down bad. Then he comes back out and just absolutely dominates. Gets a block on the one end. You know, comes down the court, gets a big dunk, and you're like, oh, he's fine, he's fine. And then all he's coming out, he's got triple team crossover. Somebody make a nice pass. Ben Simmons throws him an alley-oop, and hopefully it seems like he's doing all right. I mean, the one thing that he said after the game, to your point, whether he's flopping or not, you can definitely see that. I just want him to stay off the ground. His yeah. biggest challenge and his biggest foe is Mother Earth. Lord. You know, being a seven foot two, 280, maybe 300-pound guy, I mean, hitting the ground is putting a lot of stress on those muscles and joints and everything going on in those knees. So, I mean, him trying to stay on the floor. I mean, you see it with Jokic, right? They're both very – they're the same player but very different. You know, where Jokic can stay healthy is he doesn't jump more than two inches off the no, He doesn't do anything that would require his body to put that much to rest. You know, he backs guys down and whatnot. But in terms of athleticism, leaping, and putting as much stress on his 
ligaments going in and out. He doesn't do what Joe does in that sense. That alley-oop from Ben Simmons, Jokic isn't getting that high off the ground there. And the, the force behind that dunk that he had. He's not but, running that fast to get around the guys, too. No, not at all. So, I mean, that's just the biggest thing for him. And he comes out and tweets after the game. That just got me absolutely pumped up that night. Is yep. Nothing shall keep me down. I'm going to keep getting back up. Hashtag thrust the process. You know, because even after every scare we had last game, which was like three of them, I'm pretty sure there was like three falls. I feel like every time that happened, he came right back up and made a huge play right afterwards. That's what I love about him, you know, where he's been kind of not censored, but, you know, everybody said, Joel, you got to grow up. You got to stay off social media. Yeah, they tried to hinder him. You know, they tried to muffle him. Yeah. And that's where he's so great at staying in touch with the fans and be like, hey, I, I hear you guys. I know it's scary. You guys seeing me hit the ground all the time. But I'm just letting you know I'm good to go. I'm going to keep getting back up. and I'm going to keep pushing. And I think that's a great sign for the Sixers here moving forward because he's the guy. You know, every time you see him hit the ground, you'll send a text. The Sixers season's over. I'm like, I'm like, dude, relax. I get so scared, man. I get, oh, he's my baby boy, you know? Yeah. Like, the guy is just, he's everything for this Sixers team here. And now. His on-off rating is, like, they're just astounding how good we are with him on the court and then how frustratingly bad we are when he's off the court, especially in the postseason. In the regular season, they were an 11-10 team, you know, 500 team without him. You put him in the lineup, they're they're the first overall seed in the Eastern Conference. You know, one of the best records in the NBA. The guy is an absolute difference maker. He's a plus 11 on defense when the when he's on the court for the Sixers. Uh, it's oh, just... At plus 11.7 uh, per 100 possessions, I think it is. That's actually the best playoff net rating since they started recording it in 1997. Yeah. So, I mean, the guy is absolutely dominant. You saw Shaq talk about him after the one game. He's like, this guy's more talented than I was. You know, after years of hating for Shaq, too. Yes, exactly. And, you know, Shaq doesn't like to put people in his category. No, yeah, no, he's very stubborn when it comes to that. Yes. So now he's starting to prove himself. And now we talked about his health. Obviously, they're going as far as Joel is going to take him. Now, the other thing that I think with the Sixers here Mm -hmm. is everybody talks about it, right? It's Ben Simmons. And it's when he becomes aggressive Ben Simmons. And when he takes those passive days off. Now, my stance on that is when he is passive and he's only scoring four points, he does do a lot. He's keeping Trey Young under 30 points. Uh You know, he's not turning the ball over as much. He's setting up other people, Seth Curry to go off, Tobias to go off, Joel to go off. I'm not, I don't hate on him for that. My biggest thing is the free throw line. Yep. When you're a kid, Holden, right? We're little kids. You have Colin and Owen. They get a little basketball hoop for the first time. What are they doing? You got a ball. You're shooting. You're shooting the ball. That is the first thing you do as like a three or four-year-old. And this guy is, you know, 23, I guess he is now. And he can't shoot. He can do everything else. But the thing that you are taught as a little kid, he just can't do it. And that just astounds me. You know, it's got to be a mental thing, too, because like you see videos of him. And I mean, it is with everyone, too. Obviously, every NBA player, when they're alone in a gym, will make a bunch of free throws. But it's just astounding the drop off to when he's playing in front of the uh, in front of the fans. I think even last year when there was no fans, I think he was shooting a little bit better from the free throw line. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, 35 percent in the playoffs. Yeah, it's like (laughs) terrible. 
And, you know, you saw they've been the, – the Wizards weren't afraid to go to it with the hack of Simmons. I'm thinking now at this point because the Hawks, they gave them their best shot, game one. You know, they came out on fire. They were shooting 70% from the field at halftime. It was hard to watch. That shoot was devastating. Like, they were nailing shots. And you see in the past two games, they were still making shots. They were still shooting around 50% from the floor. Murder, Gallinari, both been playing really well. But they just – they just weren't able to match the offensive output of of Embiid, Harris, and Curry because they were playing a lot better defense on Trey Young, yeah. and that is our, a big credit to Ben Simmons. Our defensive performance in the last two games has been pretty astounding in terms of Matisse Thybul, his flashes when he comes in, mm. and I think about Ben Simmons when he only puts up four points. I think the difference is like in the past years when he would only put up four points, he would just be trying to force things and he wouldn't be as effective. I think now he's not as worried about his point total. So when he's not scoring, I think he knows that. And I think he uh, finds a role to settle into and still help our offense succeed. Yeah. If you're looking as an, uh, a Hawks fan here, what are you thinking that they can do to try to crawl their way back into this in, in tonight's game? Like there's, they've really thrown everything out there, but the hack of Simmons. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, I mean, I'm friends with Hawks fans, and most of them think the series is over. So, I mean, it's, I guess it's kind of hard to be optimistic as a Hawks fan. I guess you're hoping that your home court advantage tonight gets you able to tie it up. I mean, if they are able to steal a win tonight once it's 2-2, you mean you got to take it a game at a time. So, I guess that's where they're at. Yeah. Like you said, they're a talented team. You know, you keep running that pick and roll. We're going to have, even with Ben Simmons on, that pick and roll is still a really hard play to guard with Capella and John Collins being able to come with the oops, trailing slaughter ability. Yeah. I mean, like you said, they got a talented team, so they can do anything on any given day. Yeah, they're, they're going to need Trey Young to score 40, 40 plus to be able to steal another win here, I'm thinking. And that's going to be very tough to do, as you can see. Uh, to give big credit here to where I think have helped the Sixers come such a far, uh, they've grown so much as a team over the past five years. When Brett Brown was fired last year, and moving in with Doc Rivers, the the systematic things, the game change, the game plans, the changing mid game is far beyond way different, much better of situations here. Where if if um, Brett Brown was coaching this team, they'd be down, they would be yeah. down two one, if not three zero. They would not like, have been. As much as I like Brett Brown as a guy, and as sad as it was to see him go. Um, replacing him with Doc Rivers is certainly a huge upgrade. And I think Doc Rivers, while frustrating at times, has definitely shown that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so now another thing, moving on from Ben a little bit here. Danny Green is out for two weeks. You know, they're saying he tweeted out earlier today, hey, thanks everybody for the prayers. I should be back. Don't worry. I'll be back sooner than later. Uh, he tweeted out earlier on Sunday. So, I mean, that gives you a little bit of hope. He, he was seen in a walking boot on the sidelines during that game three. Um, to be honest, though, he struggled a lot this no, series. He did. So that's why I was going to – that's the first thing I was going to say is that I don't think many people are worried about the impact it will have on this series. I think we'll be able to get out of this series pretty uh, easily without Danny Green considering we've been playing fine without him or with him playing poorly. But against a team like the Nets, if he's not available, that's when it becomes a problem because – while he was getting chopped up by Trey Young, he is still a good perimeter defender. And if the Nets are healthy with three guys that are lethal on the perimeter, we would need him to take on one of those defensive assignments. So 
Mm-hmm. We'll get into that in Brooklyn and Bucks series in a little bit uh, because there's a lot of interesting storylines moving forward out yeah. there as the Bucks tied it up 2-2 yesterday. So, but yeah, with Danny here, where do you think Doc's going to go? Does he go uh, Thibel, you know, a lot, or do you go Shake, or do you go Furcon? Do you go Maxi? I mean, you got some options there to be able – I mean, I think the biggest thing is you need another shooter. Yeah, uh, I think you said another shooter. I think uh, Furcon obviously hints at that. He's also more of a three than you would say a shaker Maxi is. Not necessarily Thibault, but you saw at the second half of game three when we came out with the starters, it was Furk and Danny spot. Mm-hmm. Now, that might have just been because he was playing really hot in the first half of game one, but I really think it's going to be a majority split between uh, Furcon and Matisse. That's the thing that I like most about this Sixers team. I've been saying it all year is the depth. Now, the depth is young, granted, very young, inexperienced, but they got a lot of guys that can make it happen and get some buckets. Furcon's become a lot better of a defender over the years now. Too. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, Matisse Thibel is going to be up there top five for the rest of his career, hopefully, as for defensive player of the year. Yeah. I mean, the dude is an absolute stud. Tyrese Maxey and Shake Milton. Yeah, Maxey and Milton can get their shot whenever they want. So, I mean, those are four young guys that are great to have off the bench. That's not even getting to a guy like Dwight Howard, even, you know, who's been an absolute stud, giving Joel rest minutes and getting you 10 and 10 a game. Mm-hmm. That's, where, that's where I talk with, like, my Nets friends, buddies. Like, you, the Nets, you got your superstars. You got Blake Griffin. You got Joe Harris. After that, you really don't got much on your bench. You know, the thing where we were talking earlier about Doc Rivers is all bench lineup that he's finally moved away from and cut that rotation down a little bit. You even got George Hill, too, you know, on the bench. You forget about him. Uh, who can come in and make a big shot? For yeah, you can forget about him now because he obviously played poorly last game, but he's an experienced guy. He can make big shots. Yeah. He plays solid defense for a guy his size, too. Now, finding when they struggled in that first game where they didn't score a bucket till 35 minutes in, they just got, they have to, Doc's got to find that right mix of Tobias and Ben with them, Joe with them, to help them get into a better offensive rhythm. You know, because no, when all of them are playing together, nobody knows who's supposed to take exactly. the shot. It's, it's unfair to the bench players to put them all in with each other because while, like you said, we do have a deep team, when there's no one like Ben Simmons who truly can initiate or someone like Tobias Harris who can truly own the post, it's kind of hard for them to perform and make things happen. They're kind of lost out there sometimes. Yeah. All right. Hold. Gut feeling here for tonight. Game four of this series. Sixers are leading it 2-1 to one against the Atlanta Hawks. Down in Atlanta, I mean, blow them out the past two games here. You think we're seeing another one or you think the Hawks are going to be able to try to crawl back and make something happen here. I think the Hawks are going to come out with a lot of heart and a lot of passion. They're going to come out firing, but um, I think the Sixers are one of just as bad and they know how important going three, one going up three, one is. And I think we're going to come out just as hot and, you know, the Hawks might give us a fight, but I think we'll pull out a pretty easy victory. Not easy, but you know, pretty, uh, be a lot of breathing room there, you know, 10 point mm-hmm. victory. Yeah. I-, I think they should blow them out. To be 100%. Well, you know, put up 35 again. Yeah. Toby's going to do his thing. Toby's been absolutely phenomenal in the playoffs. Everything we could have asked for. So I think we're going to see a lot more of those two guys. 
the only way the Sixers lose this game if Trey Young and and like Herder and Bogdanovich just shoot the lights out from three. That's the only way they're gonna lose this game. Uh they should be able the Sixers should be able to run away with this one early. If they just go and shut them down in that first five minutes and say, yep. you guys threw your best at us, better luck gotta, next year. You got to come make your imprint on the game really early. You know, you got to come out swinging, let them know that you're not here to play around. You don't, don't play with your food, you know. Mm. They got to keep using that triple threat that Doc was starting to run there with. You had either Ben or Tobias up top. You're throwing back screens for guys. And then just make the Hawks think. They're a very, very young defensively and offensive team. Make them think. You know, they have they don't have a lot of experience. If you throw all these athletes at them and have to make them make adjustments on the fly, the way these guys are moving so fast now, you're finding wide open buckets for everybody at this point. And yeah. they just they just gotta keep on moving in that right direction. Joe is just too good. They don't have an answer for him. I mean mm-hmm. It's it should be Sixers and five. I mean, outright. Yeah, no, that's what I've been telling everyone. I think I was saying that after game one, too. You know, I think it was pretty clear that they just caught fire in the first half. Mm-hmm. And I think if we come out there essentially what we do best, putting Joel in the post, putting Toby in the post. And Joel's doing a lot better job of passing out of double teams. He's done throughout the season. He's got a lot better at that. So much better. He's yeah. a lot less and he's creating a lot more opportunities. And bringing in a guy like Seth Curry over at Josh Richardson, I wasn't a huge fan of it at first because I liked Richardson's defense and how young he was. Yeah. But having yeah. a guy like Seth Curry that can just shoot the lights out of the ball makes this team so much more dynamic. You know, you got and slashers it, like Ben and Toby, and then you kick it out to him, Splash City all day. It, it's just beautiful to watch. And in hindsight, when you see how good Seth's been playing for us, how useful he's been, and then how poorly Josh Richardson played this season. At least it's been, it was a pretty big decline from did last year. Did he play in the playoffs for the Magic or uh, the Mavericks? He did. He did. He was, yeah. he got moved to the bench. So he started off the season in the starting lineup, but yeah. it ended up being Finney Smith and uh, Hardaway at the two and three spot. He didn't really, he definitely saw a decreased minutes. He wasn't really that guy. All right. Let's take a dive into the rest of the NBA here because there's a lot of interesting storylines. Suns, uh, as we're, you know, talking right now at 10 22 at night on Sunday. Uh, I believe they got a pretty big lead on the Nuggets at the moment as they're looking to round out that series. Yeah, and I just, watching the other room. Yeah, they're up uh, 111-103 right now with three minutes left. They're up yeah. 3-0. I mean, we'll we'll update anything if that changes, but Jokic got ejected already. So yeah, I, it, it's pretty much over for them. The MVP, as I'm putting up quote quotation marks there, but uh, it, yeah. That that series is pretty much over. We'll get to the West in a sec, but I want to dive into earlier on Sunday. The Bucks tie up the series with the Brooklyn Nets. Kyrie goes down with an ankle sprain. Uh, Steve Nash says his x-rays were negative, but he was seen walking out with a walking boot and crutches. So, I mean, if there's an update on uh, Monday, um, I'll definitely tweet something out or put it up on Instagram for everybody to know. But, I mean, what does that mean now as Giannis is, and has been really starting to insert himself where he was the bitch, honestly, you know, the first two games, he yeah. couldn't do anything. He couldn't shoot free throws. He couldn't even play defense. Now they're coming back in Milwaukee, tie it up and dominating fashion. Middleton's caught a stride too. You know, he was playing really poorly the first two games as well. And now he's hitting shots. Um, did you see the injury with Kyrie? Yeah. 
Um, he what went you, up for a rebound. Yeah, I saw. What do you think of that? Uh, it it seemed a little negligent to me on Giannis's part to be writing. I saw people talking about that. You know, I'm not saying he did it on purpose, but at the very least, it seemed somewhat ignorant or negligent. You know, did did the ball go in, or was? Uh, I can't recall right now. I don't remember. Like if. He was going up for a rebound, right? Giannis yeah. has every right to be there. Every right to be in the paint and try to get the absolutely, yeah. You can't yeah. forget that. It's not like it's on the three-point line where he wouldn't have a reason to be right next to the shooter after he shot it. Yeah, I saw they were comparing it to, like, with, like, Zaza, Pachulia. No, it's not. It wasn't yeah. nearly as bad as Zaza's, you know. Yeah, so, like, I, I was watching it, and I was like, I don't see that. I so think he, he was just right there, and Kyrie just – the foot came down in the wrong spot. Yeah. I mean, that stuff happens. Yeah, you got to feel for Kyrie. He's playing pretty well. Yeah, and that really throws a whole wrench into what happens here because James Harden went out game mm-hmm. two, I believe it was. No, game, no literally a minute into game one. Like, yeah. Oh, yeah. 50 so, seconds. And it was funny because even after Harden went out, the Nets game one and two dominated the Bucks, and they looked like the unbeatable team that people thought they were going to be. And then last game, you know, KD was missing shots. PJ was guarding them well. Kyrie was missing shots as well, and they got lost. And now, without Kyrie, do you think the Nets have the firepower? If I don't think so, Kyrie Honestly. and Harden after the series, you think Kyrie can do it by himself? I don't know if he can. I don't. I don't think so because we were talking about it earlier. What's their bench? No, we nothing. We in KD's fourteen-year career, we've almost for a guy that's considered one of the greatest, we've almost never had to see him carry a team like this. And I don't know if he's going to be able to handle it. No, hundred percent. Even when he was he young, he, he had he had Russ, he had Harden. You know, and, and um, obviously he had Clay and Steph on the Warriors. Was yeah. yeah, no, you're you're right. We've never seen him actually be have to be the guy. Um, he was kind of carrying them when all three of them were playing. But, yeah, you know, no, absolutely. like he's been the best player on his teams, but he's never had as little help as he yeah. did now, say, like LeBron had in those many seasons in Cleveland. Earlier. No, I, I 100 percent agree with that. And, you know, going up against a Bucks team who they're no slouches, you know, no, I mean, Team. You know, Drew Holiday adding him this season made him a more scary playoff threat. That where they're the Bucks really struggle is when they aren't shooting the three ball. You know, they yeah. they're not they can't keep up. They can't keep up with the Sixers. They can't keep up with the Nets if they can't shoot the three ball. Because you know, Giannis can go and dunk the ball, and but you've seen it. He's going through that mental stretch that Ben Simmons was going through. He's starting to come around now, getting thirty five the past two nights. But, you know, shooting from the free throw line, he's been brutal all playoffs. You saw it with Luka, too. I mean, yeah, a lot of superstars. That was bizarre. I did not. Luka shot 42% from the line, and he shot 43% from three. I've never seen something like that in my life. Yeah, absolutely crazy. The guy's dropping 40 points a night, but he can't. He's missing free throws left and right. Um, where where do you think it comes on Giannis here? A lot of, you know, you hear a lot of rumors, you know, people talking, oh, is he a 1B? You know, is he like a backup for like a KD type of guy? Um, the two-time MVP can't get it done by himself. Yeah, no, it's hard to say that, but when you see uh, what he's done in the past two years, blowing a 2-0 lead to the Raptors and then, you know, getting beat handsomely by the Heat last year, uh, it's hard to say he – that was that was a brutal one, obviously. Last but, year would have been their year. Yeah, and it was very – obviously it was very encouraging to see them come and sweep the Heat this year, but they'd run into a juggernaut like the Nets, and now they might have caught a break with Kyrie being out, but – who do you think you'd rather see in the series? From a Sixer standpoint, uh, yeah. yeah, I don't know if KD or if um, Kyrie and Harden are hurt. I'd rather see them. 
Yeah. You know, probably, I, probably. I take, I take my chances with my depth and you know, the they don't have anyone that can guard Joel too. You know, with, if they, they already lack depth. So without two of their starting players, I mean, I feel like that's probably an easy series. Now, I mean, people might be saying I'm crazy because the, their team is absolutely loaded, but if they're banged up, I mean, I would take my chances with going up against the 70% Harden and Kyrie where I can go put Matisse, I can put Ben Simmons, yeah. Joel Embiid can even cover him a little bit. You're seeing him guard Trey Young. Yeah, you know? no, Joel Embiid's really improved his uh, perimeter and uh, guard defense. Yeah. Uh, what would you rather see there? Because I mean, I I'm not afraid of the Bucks either. I think the Sixers should be able to beat the Bucks in six and, or seven games too. I think a healthy Nets team is obviously scared. Scared, maybe not obviously, but I would definitely be more scared of a healthy Nets team than a healthy Bucks team. Uh, that being said, oh, way, way, way scared, way more scared. Yeah. Of that. that being said, you know, they're not healthy right now. And if it's just KD, obviously I think that's an easier matchup. However, um, I almost want to see the Bucks win just because if the Nets win this series, they could definitely, one of them could come back. And even with just one of Kyrie or Harden, that matchup's a lot harder. than. Yeah. Uh, I'd rather see the Bucks than the Nets with two of their three stars. I'll say that. Yeah. No, I, I would agree with that 100%. The, the Nets team is ready. They should win the championship. They no, should. You know, they have the amazing combination of experience and talent, especially on the offensive end of the ball. Now, shout out to the boy, Skip Bayless. You know, he's always throwing his hot takes out there. He goes on Twitter today, if Kyrie and Harden aren't healthy, that opens the door for a chance for the Bucks. And the Sixers are the favorites. I'm like, okay, that. okay, Skip, get that hot take. He likes to give credit to the Sixers, and I'll be like, yeah, and then he'll say some crazy. He, he said Chris Paul's not a top 15 point guard of all time the other day, and I was like, yeah, that's just crazy. Um, before we talk about Chris Paul here in a second, give me who you think's going to end up coming out of this series, the Bucks or the Nets, as it's tied 2-2. As we're sitting here on Monday, well, Sunday night on the 13th, but comes out. June fourteenth. I mean, you got a couple more games this week between this. I'm gonna this have game. to go with the. So they play Tuesday. They only get one day of rest. I'm gonna have to go with the Bucks. I think, I think Kyrie's not gonna be healthy, and I don't think they're gonna be able to rush James Harden back until the next series if there is one. So I, I honestly think the Bucks take this. I think they take next game. They, I think they showed you today when it's just KD. They have a two guys that can guard him. You can put Giannis or PJ Tucker on him. Pete, However, PJ Tucker's been playing phenomenal defense, which is crazy to see him do year in and year out in the playoffs. But um, yeah, no, I think the Nets or the Bucks probably take this. Yeah, Kyrie doesn't do and crutches. You know, you don't like to see that. That's not an encouraging sight for Nets. Yeah, well, you know, Kyrie, he's always loving to play into stuff. So you you don't know if that's a little or he he could be very hurt. I mean, it looked very bad. It, a lot of people were thinking he was painful. over. It looked painful. Yeah, he, a lot of people were saying he might be done for the year. Rolling so, that is never easy. Hopefully, you know, we you never want to root for injury like uh, the Atlanta Hawks tried to do. <laughs> that was so great to see us just come out and pummel them after that. Yeah. That yeah, that, that was that, shot. That felt real good. I'll say that. I, I took a lot of satisfaction in us just duking on them after that. Yeah. Um. Now let's move out west here. You know, so we're saying the Sixers are getting to the NBA championship if you haven't already picked up on that. So. Who out West here? You got the the Suns are going to take this four-game series in a sweep against the Denver Nuggets. 
They're going to be playing either the Clippers or the Utah Jazz, the number one overall seed. Now, that series is going to be interesting because Kawhi, you know, Tyron Lue remembered, oh, yeah, I got Kawhi Leonard, a guy that is an all-world defensive player and can go and dominate on the offensive side, too. He's finally like, oh, yeah, maybe we should put him on on Donovan Mitchell, you know, kind of like Ben Simmons on Trey Young. You're you're finally like, oh, I guess we should do it. It's annoying that it takes coaches a game to figure that out, a game or two. Do you think – I mean, you hear the argument – you want to rest the guys. You want to, unless you have to. Also for foul reasons, too. Yeah. They said they didn't put Ben on Trey because they knew Trey likes to draw fouls, so that's why they waited till the second half to do it in game mm-hmm. one. I mean, do you, do you believe in that, or do you think just let the guy go out there and play? I mean, you you know going in, he's you got to be a little more conservative with your fouls, but yeah. I, I'd rather let the guy go and play than give them a chance to capitalize without having my best guy on him. I mean, I, don't, I guess I don't have any choice to believe it. You know, Doc Rivers is the head coach. It's his call. But, um, I mean, whether I agree with it or not, I, I have to understand it, you know. It's what yeah, no. coaches yeah. are doing. It's not just Doc Rivers that does this, you know. Like you just said, Ty Lue was doing it. He, Paul George was on Donovan Mitchell for most – however, Paul George was on Donovan Mitchell for way too long those first two games, and that's why they got carved up. Mm-hmm. That was – and I think the Clippers are also foolish for thinking that replacing Doc Rivers with Ty Lue was going to solve their problems. Yeah. You know, when still a very talented team to come out of the West. Don't get me wrong, but it's not going to be because of Ty Lue. When when um, Paul George goes, yeah, they're going to use me differently now this year than they did last year. And Doc Rivers goes, bro, Ty Lue was on the bench with me last year, dude. He's not he's not doing anything much different. <laughs> yeah, no. And it's funny to see even after what most people would call a rebound regular season for Paul George, he played pretty well. He's just back to shooting pretty poorly. He had a great game last night. All credit to him. Him and Kawhi both played incredible. But he's been shooting really poorly. His shooting numbers have been below 50% in almost every game except, like, two of this whole postseason. Yeah. Out of those three teams that are left now, I mean, who would who would you want to see match up against, you know? I mean, we're going with the Sixers ride or die here. I mean, if you clicked on this podcast and didn't think I'm not going to say the Sixers are making it to the NBA Finals, I think you're crazy. Yeah, uh, I'm up to debate it with you, but I, I'm liking my side right now. To be 100 percent honest, with chances as well, bro. Yeah, after today, I hope Kyrie's okay. But if he's not, I mean, that definitely increases our odds by a significant amount. I mean, it's I don't want to jinx anything here. You know, a little knock on wood. It's nice not to. I mean, you're still worried about Joel 100. percent We've talked oh, about yeah. it earlier. Yeah. But when the ball's on the other foot, I'm not gonna complain. You know, yeah. and it's I'll say it's really encouraging to see how dominant he's been. You know, a lot of people thought he wasn't going to be because mm-hmm. he looks 100 percent. There's really no getting around that. He's taking it to everybody. He came back just taking it to anyone that came in his path, running it's, back on defense, getting blocks, running down back. down the court. I think his defensive play has been kind of slipped on just because of how uh, astounding he's been offensively in the playoffs. But his defense has been absolutely amazing. It's mm-hmm. been versatility is uh Sticking with guards, his agility has been great. All right. Who are the Sixers taking down out of the West in the NBA championship? That Suns team is ridiculous. I will say the Suns team has shown more than most teams in the playoffs. You know, they beat the Lakers. Granted, it was without AD, but they look really lethal. They have the dominant one-two punch in Devin Booker and Trey Young. And then they have a solid center that knows how to roll, that can 
uh, move around a little bit on defense, and he's certainly a good rebounder. He can put the ball up on oops and A in. And then outside of that, they got Miko Bridges, former Sixer, never forget. Yeah. Uh, phenomenal, really good defender. Yeah. Good shooter. He can take the ball to the hoop. And then their bench is just. Shout out, shout out the superstar Zaire Smith. You know, we were superstar hunting. Yeah. The next Kawhi, according to Rip Brown. But no, and then they got Jay Crowder, who just in the playoffs, you saw it last year for the Heat, just hits big shots. And then on the bench, they got Campaign, who, when Chris Paul was injured, stepped up, played amazing. However, I want to play the Jazz, and I think we might play the Jazz. I think I think the Jazz will probably beat the Clippers, as much as I like Kawhi. And then um, that'll be a good series, though, the Suns and Jazz, if it comes to that. Mm-hmm. The Suns and whoever they play is going to be a really good series. Yeah, I, the, I, I like the – the Sixers should dominate the Jazz. I, I, I like the, I like our chances against the Jazz because it gives Ben Simmons a chance to guard someone like Donovan Mitchell against the team that has the depoy and prove himself. Mm-hmm. And it also gives Joel a chance to assert himself in the finals against a depoy. Mm-hmm. And I think I hate the Jazz. I just I hate Utah, and I hate I've had beef with Donovan Mitchell ever since the whole rookie thing. And it would be just bittersweet to just beat them in the finals. That would be amazing. Who's ringing the bell next home game? Do we know yet? Or for you, first game in Philadelphia, Wells Fargo Center. Who's coming out game one if the Sixers make it to the NBA Finals? Who's ringing the bell first? NBA Finals? Yeah. I have no clue. You know who I'd like to see come out and ring it in game five, though? LeGarrette Blount and Chris Long, little Patriots. Yeah. Seeing the beat the Falcons, that'd be a nice little jab. Yeah, that would be. Uh, they come out with underdog mass. That would be pretty funny because you know everybody when they thought Joel was banged up and hurt, it's oh the, this Atlanta team's gonna might even sweep them. You that, see was, that? that was fun. That was fun. I always you know, Kendrick I was Perkins down one zero because everyone was talking to talk, and I was like, you guys might as well get it off now because this is not gonna stay this way. Yeah, they they go hyping them up, and now it's like oh it's just Atlanta, you know. Like, you guys were supposed to beat them anyway. If things are narrated after every game. You know, at first it was, oh, Atlanta can really give Philly a run for their money, and now it's, oh, you have an easy path to the conference finals. What do you expect? Shut yeah. up. Yeah. All right. Said it anyway. They told the Eagles that, too. Yeah. All right, Hold. I mean, yeah, this was a lot of fun. You know, first podcast back in a while. I hope everybody enjoyed it. I mean, chopping it up. The Philadelphia sports is getting back into the swing of things. It's a lot of fun. Uh, sports in general, life in general, you know, yeah, no, summer's absolutely. coming around here. Uh, hopefully I'm going to keep, po- uh, you know, pounding out these podcasts at least every Monday to to talk about anything in the world of sports, but definitely about Philly sports. Maybe we'll have Holden back on once the Sixers yeah. Uh, yeah. win this series. Hopefully we they should win this series. Oh, yeah. they should win this game tonight here, Monday night in game four down in Atlanta also. So we'll have Holden back on. I want to thank you, Holden. It was a lot of fun, dude. What, what did you think your first it's always, podcast? It's always good to sit and shoot the shit with you, man. You know, I always love talking sports to you. I love talking with you. So yep. I'm going to get to do that. It's a great time. We definitely got to link up again soon, you know, find, uh, find we're something. Coming up, we're coming, we're, I'm coming up to Philly on the 15th. Oh, yeah, for Courtney's wedding. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah my grad party, too. You guys got to come. Oh, hell yeah. Hell yeah we're hell having yeah. it the same weekend because everybody's going to be up anyway. So, yeah. That would be awesome. But, yep, thank you, everybody, again, listening for so much. This is another episode of the BSP Podcast. I had Holden on here with me, talk a lot of Sixers talk. 
They're winning the NBA championship right now. We're ready to rock and roll. Phillies are red hot. The city of Philadelphia is red hot. Thanks, everybody, for listening. We're finally back here. We are back on the BSP podcast. I'm Brendan Petrilli. Shout out to the 215 and Go Birds, everybody. All right, have a great uh, afternoon or morning. I don't know, whenever you're listening to this. Go Sixers here tonight, Monday night in game four. All right, see you, everybody.